Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. This, Lisa Jo, it's the podcast series I've been waiting for without even knowing it. After a long, long season of overwhelm and tiredness, you and I are not only talking about rest, we are receiving it. I know. After three years where, honestly, the whole world felt a bit like we were dying, I'm so ready for a season of resuscitation. We know, listeners, that you all must be, too. And so we hope these conversations offer you a fresh breath for your souls. Get comfy, friends. Here we go. This week, it was really fun to get to be your personal Uber service, Chrissy, picking you up at the airport as you landed back from London, which feels so fancy. It was fun. I have your gift to me on the bookshelf behind me. Christy naturally brought me a bag of my favorite candies, Smarties, which are little chocolate M&M types, but made with Cadbury's chocolate, and this little tea box, but it looks like your, you know, traditional red pillar box sort of phone booth from England that I have on my bookshelves. So I'm so happy because now I have like a fun little memento from London recently. Yeah, well, I I like to think I would have brought you a gift anyhow, but I was extra motivated to bring you a gift because you were doing us such a favor (laughs) by picking us up from the airport and driving us halfway home before we were met by my mother-in-law in in her car and we did a little handoff in the parking lot. But yeah, that was fantastic to see your face, first of all, when I was back on U.S. soil. It was great. (laughs) I, I just know over the years how we have always been dependent on people meeting us at airports and all kinds of times and circumstances and weather. I remember in Michigan, Pete's on picking us up in big snowstorms as we landed back from South Africa. So it was my privilege to pick you guys up. And it was really fun because I feel like I got to have that first like, oh, you're immediately back. Tell me, how was London? So folks, if you haven't caught on yet, Christy recently returned from London. Although London <laughs> isn't exactly accurate, though, is it? Right. Well, we ended our trip in London. And of course, we flew in and out of London, but we spent most of our time out in the English countryside, which I had never done before. Um, I'd been to London a few times, but um, this was different and it was wonderful. And yes, I've got stories to tell now, as one does after any vacation, but I feel like even more because this was more in every way. We'd waited so long. Um, It was so rich. Ooh, I've got some stories to tell. I'm excited. Well, I mean, looking at your pictures that you shared on Instagram, it was basically like you were in a Jane Austen novel is how it seemed to me. Yeah, no, that I feel like that was the theme of the week. Let's just live out the visual <laughs> gorgeousness of Jane Austen novels. And actually, we visited several places that have featured in movie film adaptations of Jane Austen novels. I know, so, like the little right. market that you were in. And, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and I mean, I even felt like Christy always has just sort of a beautiful fashion sensibility that's timeless, I feel like. And there was a moment where you were dressed in 
I think of them as English walking clothes where you have mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. the trousers and then the knee-high wading boots and a jacket and a little kerchief. And I looked <laughs> at those pictures and thought, my word, could you be any more English right now? Like, <laughs> And then you could because there was a picture of you and Jonathan in a park taking tea. I just, right. in, that was the one moment of the trip I experienced actual jealousy towards you. I was like, I want to be sitting pouring tea and eating cucumber sandwiches at a park in England right now. Yeah, it was fantastic. And it was, um, it was everything I hoped, everything that good that we had anticipated, but so much more. And so I feel like coming back, I'm just kind of reeling in a good way from this reminder that, oh, yes, you know, God does give good gifts, like just good things. I have such an overactive imagination in bad directions, you know, in terms of anxiety or seeing the thousand things that can go wrong, or um, I'm just tuned into that and it can become a a bad habit. And I'm grateful for experiences like this that remind me, no, just because you can imagine the worst case scenario or you can imagine all the little things that could go wrong, life is not always like that. Sometimes life gives us, God gives us in our lives, just good gifts and um, so good that I know I'll be unpacking this gift for a while, which is interesting. As as the trip was coming to an end, I kept thinking, am I sad? Am I sad that it's ending? And yes, part of me was was sad that, oh, you know, the, this, this fun experience is coming to a close. But mostly I felt this anticipation because I knew I was going home with so much. I I was almost looking forward to going home and, and unpacking it and reflecting on it. Because, you know, one thing about travel is it leaves a little time to reflect, but not a lot. And I just felt like I was going home with so much more, not just the souvenirs, not just the red pillar box, tea box for you and <laughs> the Smarties, but going back with experiences and stories and things that happened and new, new people in our lives um, that... I was excited actually to have the time to begin sifting through that. And I'm I'm grateful as well that we we have this podcast, Lisa Joe. You and I not only get to share these things together, but as we reflect, as we experience ordinary life, um, we get to share our reflections and and our conversations with our listeners, which is such a privilege. And it's a it's another something else that makes this just so good. I knew while I was there, I can't wait to I didn't think, I can't wait to talk to Lisa Joe about this. I thought, I can't wait to talk to Lisa Joe on the podcast about this. <laughs> so great. Because that means you too, podcast listeners. You're part of exactly. this. That's so fun. Exactly. And I think, yeah. I think what we're actually going to unpack over the next few weeks is, well, let me pause and say, you guys have had almost a full year of Christy and I sharing our overwhelm. <laughs> Constantly. Yeah. <laughs> but I yeah. do think appropriately so as we head into the summer, um, part of what I think we're going to start to unpack is maybe what rest looks like. And rest isn't just lying on the sofa watching Netflix for eight hours. Um, it's more than that. There are two components that need to rest, both our bodies, because we are embodied creatures. God breathed life into us in the garden and said the body is good. And we know in some capacity, we will have bodies in heaven. So we are embodied, but we are also eternal creatures with souls. And Christy, how did you describe the soul? You were saying it earlier in like the most beautiful way. Yeah, I, I, if I had to define the soul, which I mean, you know, it's not... I don't know that I could do that perfectly, but I think of it as the life of the body. It's the life that, it's that 
that breath of God in us that we're, that is animating our bodies. So while on the one hand, we separate it with our language, we talk about soul and body. On the other hand, we're talking about things that, that go hand in hand. And we know from scripture that, you know, Paul writes about, you know, falling asleep in the Lord, basically, you know, when our bodies here on earth die, that we're now separated from our body. And then that's not a good thing, but there is something there to be separated. And that's what we call the soul, that that essence of us, that life of us. But then, yeah, the great story, the good news of scripture is that one day a new body will be reun- you know, reunited with our soul, with our life, and um, we will live on, on a place where heaven and earth are now you know, one, the new heavens and the new earth. So while we separate with our language, we're talking about things that are really difficult to separate because, yeah, the soul is the life of the body. I love that, the life of the body. And I mean, Scripture talks about how God has placed eternity in the hearts of men, like this idea that there is this part of us that is eternal. And so when we think about rest, part of what I have been doing the last um, several months, I know I've talked about it a lot on the podcast, is reading through this book called Soul Keeping. And interestingly enough, at the time when I picked it up, I had worked 30 days in a row this most recent season. So every workday and every weekend day, you know, 10 to 12 to 15 hours a day trying to hit a deadline. And when we sort of were coming out of that season. My mother-in-law then was in town for a long weekend, which is wonderful having her, but it meant I couldn't like lie on the couch for eight hours and watch Netflix, which was actually good because it forced me to ask myself, how do I experience rest if I can't just check out? And then it made me start to ask questions about like, why do I think checking out is rest? (laughs) Is that healthy? Because I think I've been in survival mode for the last year. So what I'm excited about is a series of conversations in which we unpack this notion of what does it mean to rest in healthy and meaningful ways as we head into summer and a culture that's telling us all these ideas about what rest should look like. Um, whether it's just lie on a beach or have a staycation or your kids all gone at summer camp or catch up on all the shows you haven't watched. I, I mean, I like a little bit of all those things, but I did pause this past couple weekends and ask myself, what does that mean? Like, what is rest? And, and then I was curious to talk to you now that you're back from having that moment where you get to step outside of your normal rhythms. And so we actually have some really meaningful stories to share with you about also what it looks like when God enters the picture with us, like when we aren't. So I guess let me be clear. Sometimes I think when I'm binging Netflix, I don't know that God is like entering an experience of rest with me. I think that's (laughs) me like hiding, checking out. And so what I've been asking myself is like, what does rest look like when when I turn to the Lord and say, I need to rest? be with me. And I think there's this amazing story Christy has from being in England where it's a moment in which both rest and God's purpose and intentionality connect. So, in order to set the scene for that, we wanted to talk a little bit about this idea of rest. And I had this story I read in Soul Keeping that I had been talking to Christy about because it struck me on a core level. I've been trying to understand why I feel like, I mean, The language 
that I keep using, and I think it's interesting because it's sort of spiritual language. I use it as a throwaway. I keep telling Peter, I feel like I'm, I'm going to die. Like this is so much. Everything is so much. I feel like I'm going to die. Why am I using that sort of language? It's interesting. I, it's not that I want to die. I feel like I am dying. And so I've tried to understand why. And at first I thought, well, it's because my body is spending like 12 hours a day in front of a computer also on the weekends. And in the little specks of time when I walk outside to get to my car to drive to Panera to keep working on the weekends, or I grab a coffee and I walk outside, it's almost like I'm starved for beauty. Like my soul, my heart, my eyes are looking up at the heavens and the green of the trees. And I've been trying to make sense of what's going on, this level of exhaustion I feel. So, that's a big setup for a very short story that Ortberg tells in his book, Soul Keeping, and he describes this circumstance from, you know, decades back. There's a woman missionary. She's in one of the African countries. He doesn't specify which one. She's there for missions work, and she meets with some of the local tribe and villagers who are going to help escort her to the small village where she will be living and working. And she has all this luggage and it's a long journey, of course, because there are no cars and they have to walk and hike. And this community of tribesmen who are traveling with her are helping carry all of her luggage and her bags. And she records how on the first day they, they walk fast, they cover miles, they make lots of progress. She's so grateful and optimistic about the quickness with which they will arrive at her destination. And so she wakes up the second morning and she's getting her boots on and she's ready to go. And she takes a look around and her entire escort are just seated. Like all these men are just sitting down on the ground under the trees. And she says to the guide, wait, what's going on? Like, we have to get going. Tell them to get up. And the guide says, oh, no, yesterday we moved so fast. Uh, they want you to know that their bodies moved so quickly and so far yesterday that now they need to wait for their souls to catch up to their bodies. Oh, <laughs> and in that moment, I, love that. I was so convicted. This is what has happened. I have forced this body of mine so hard for so far for so long. I feel like I left my soul back, not just like a mile back, but like a continent back is how it right. feels to me. And I, I, I thought, oh, no wonder I am, I am at a level of tired that will require not just my body to rest, but my soul now needs to come back <laughs> and be recognized. And I needed to ask myself, what does a soul even need? Like, how does a soul rest? What does that look like? So I have some thoughts. That's, it'd be interesting to unpack with you today. Yeah, but that's and kind Lisa of Jo, the language you used, you know, with Peter that you, f I feel like I'm dying. Well, of course, if we have left our souls behind and the soul is the life of the body, yes. it's what animates the body. And um, if you've left it behind, then you, in some sense, yeah. you are dying. Oof. You can't yes. sustain that because yes. that is, by definition, lifelessness. Yes. It's, it's living in the body in a way or checking out in a way. And we can talk, you know, we won't, I think, follow the rabbit trail too much of checking out, but we know, you know, maybe it starts with eight hours of Netflix, but, you know, if you keep checking out, um, and we know there are all kinds of 
things that our culture provides in order to help us check out in deeper and deeper ways, um, we know that they eventually they will kill us. If you, you know, if you keep checking out in these ways, you, you will die. Um, and that's because you can't separate soul and body, you know, in those ways without, you know, um, trying to live in your body in a way that isn't, isn't life. And, and um, anyhow, so I think the language you're using, I'm so glad that you realized that Yes, there was a reason. You weren't just complaining. You weren't just um, not being content or whatever. The things that we often, I think, especially as Christians, we put on us the extra burdens of like, this is my fault. I, I should be able to buck up and do this. It's like, no, you knew it was not sustainable. You knew it wasn't a path of life. And while I honor you for like your your hard work, your faithfulness, your dedication, because I know what you accomplished when you met that deadline, and it's enormous, and it's good. It is a good work. Um, so, we're not saying like you were in error, but praise God that now there's a moment where the deadline has been met. <laughs> Hopefully, we pray like the intensity of this season is ending, but you did well. But yeah, it was a struggle and we can't stay in that place. But yeah, sometimes our body, you know, sometimes our life, whether we're suffering or we're in illness, like sometimes we are in some sense dying and we pray for healing and uh, we pray that, um, yeah, that we can rest and be restored. And so much of scripture speaks to the goodness of a God who longs to um, restore us to, you know, I think of Psalm 23 to you know, lie down in those green pastures and sit by the still water and whatever we're going to, I think, unpack around this idea of soul soul rest, deep body and soul rest, it might look something like Psalm 23. Yeah. And I think the truth of it is, of course, that we, God has called us to work. Jesus has said there will be trouble, there will be hard things in the world. So, I think part of what I'm realizing with a soulful kind of rest is that it's the kind of rest you ha- you can practice in the midst of of ongoing life, right? Because all of us have those experiences as much as we wish we could just turn off <laughs> turn off the faucet of hard things coming our way. And by hard, I don't mean bad necessarily, but there's I even think about this time of year with all the end of year deadlines whether it's around work or your kids' school or activities or concerts or plays or you know people that are in church ministry, all the work they've done around Easter and there's an ongoingness to our work that requires us to learn how to practice a kind of soul rest in the midst. So, while I am grateful to say I am finally done this giant writing deadline that has consumed so much time and energy, it's not like, oh, now you just get to lounge around the house for the next three weeks, yeah. you know? Like, I still have a job. I have children with big schedules. I have all kinds of, you know, ongoing edits and marketing around the book. And so, what I realized in that moment when I was sitting on the edge of the bed, when I woke up in the morning and I had a weekend, finally, of no writing, but I felt like my body and my soul were not connected. And I started reading about this idea of what the soul needs to rest. I intentionally asked myself that day, okay, and it's funny because I did use this language, what does life look like? Like, what is life giving? And maybe it's because if Christ, if God breathed life into us in the beginning, there is a, a degree to which we now 
when we feel dead, when we feel like we're dying, it's almost like a kind of mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, like, yeah. breathe yeah. into me, Holy Spirit. Yes. Wow, I'm yeah. like, in my brain, thinking about all those worship songs we sing, like, fall afresh on me, Holy Spirit, or breathe on me. Like, it's funny that we use this metaphor all the time about breath. Like, it's like, breathe it back into me, this life I need. Yeah. Oh, and it's a metaphor that has always been particular to me over the years because I have struggled yes. <laughs> all of my life really with asthma and um, with breathing trouble. And um, and I will say that while our experiences of these past few years are are different, you know, I haven't been completing the kind of, I'm just going to drop this seed for our listeners. There is an epic work of art coming down <laughs> the publishing pipeline from our friend Lisa Joe. Get ready for it. Um, I haven't been doing that exactly. Um, when I look back, I mean, I almost don't want to even go here in this conversation because there will, there will, will be tears. When I look back three years, right, to 2020, and I think of everything since, it is overwhelming. It is so much for you, for me, for our families, for the world, so much. And it's not just one thing, but one thing it has been for me is that in, um, you know, I did get before the vaccines, I got that first, I mean, all the COVIDs are bad, but man, yeah. I got the really bad <laughs> original <laughs> COVID that, um, you know, that triggered my asthma and really set me on a two-year journey of um, illness and breathing trouble and the need for medications that had troublesome side effects. And I feel this spring actually going on this trip, Lisa Joe. I um I I I brought one of those medicines with me, but I had just weaned off of it and I've stayed off of it. You know, we'll see. Sometimes I have to go back on, but I do feel with spring the earth coming back to life, going on this trip, not needing that medicine that has been so troublesome to me. I, I feel like that part of the breathing story of these three years that maybe I'm, I'm easing out. I feel hopeful. I feel better. Um, it, it's a, it's one thread in the experience of, of these years for me, but it is absolutely about breathing and about in my body and in my soul, breathing with more ease. Um, and this is something, you know, throughout my life, God has met me in this place of, you know, how illness, how dependent I become on Him in illness, um, and then receiving again from Him in healing, fresh breath, <laughs> you know, lungs that that function with a little more ease. So, while I may move in and out of, you know, that asthma place over my life, I'm not going to um, discount what's happening now, which is um, a return of breath and an easiness of breath that is not just bodily, that is not just physical. Um, and as well, I heard, and this is not a conversation just about, you know, the pandemic, but um, I heard, I think on the radio yesterday that just in our own country, there was some, and I hadn't even paid attention to it, but there were, or no, I think it was in the world, there was some designation about where we were in terms of like a global health emergency that was expiring or being allowed to expire. And again, that doesn't necessarily change anything for us at all. And yet it felt like just hearing that little news blip on the radio made me think, that's just one more signpost of a really hard season maybe, you know, we're we're easing out of it. Um, it just felt like one little other flag I was paying attention to that um, that reminded me how hard things have been 
and how grateful I am that that certain things are easing up and that you and I now have the space not just to unpack our overwhelm, but to start to to consider rest and with hopefulness that this summer that we can we can live into it, we can experience mm. it. I'm so glad you put it that way because I think listeners, I'm guessing you're listening, nodding and feeling yes, because it's all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of us have experienced in the last three years an almost unspeakable, unmanageable, uncarryable burden where I do think there has been a degree to which all of us have had that bodily dissociation where we're just trying to figure out how to survive, how to move forward. There's been this sense, right, where this we're like that traveler, like we have to keep going forward. We have to keep managing it. We have to move our kids. We have to help them. Like, And there's this forward momentum constantly against what feels like this massive tide that wants to wash you out to sea. And we've been holding on to each other. And, and I guess maybe what we're saying to you today is we want to invite you too to look around and ask yourself, like, is my soul connected to my body? I mean, of course, literally speaking, they are, right? But we're speaking now metaphorically on a spiritual plane. When last did you ask your soul how it is? And I think about that story often and often. We've talked about here about the prophet who came back to the woman who, I always forget if it's Elijah or Elisha, who came to the woman who, you know, he had blessed and prayed for her and she'd had a son and then the son dies. And I think it's Elijah. And she comes up to him um, and of course, she's devastated. She's devastated because she's lost her son. And when he asks her, how are you? She responds with, it is well. It is well with my soul. It is well with me. And I've always thought that she is commenting on the state of her internal compass, her soul, her deep rootedness still in her faith. Her body is like crying and I imagine her eyes are swollen and she's exhausted and she's desperate, but she was actually able to reference an internal locus that that is why that that's the part of me that I feel like has gets off course. And so when my internal locus has lost direction and my body is rushing forward, that I think is how you move ahead of your soul. <laughs> and I think I just I think it's valuable for all of us to invest, even if it's just this half hour of listening to me and Christy for the next few weeks, to invest in some time in looking back and saying, hey, soul, look, where are you at, man? <laughs> How can we help reconnect with one another? And I'm laughing because I'm kind of having that picture course there's now going to be a literary reference of peter pan when he loses his shadow and he keeps trying to like stick himself back to it and he uses butter (laughs) and finally wendy has to like stitch it on for him it's a little bit like that like i feel like the soul is it's part of us and yet there it is on Mm -hmm. the wall or back a block or a mile or two (laughs) like how do i reattach it to myself like what does that look like and so i guess now let's move from the this the you know the metaphorical and spiritual to the practical. I I woke up last Saturday, actually on Friday, heading into the weekend and thought, what do I need to experience rest? And I confess that the last months on the weekend if I had a pocket of quiet, all I wanted to do was like stare at a show. Like my choice always would also be like some kind of crime or detective show because I think there's something about having to follow that plot that my brain can just latch onto and it helps shut down like what's happening in my own head. And I get catharsis at the end when the bad guy is caught. Because for months, what happens to me is I wake up 
too early and my brain is now already on and it's problem solving because it's trying to solve the problems of work or the plot of my book or what happens with my kids or health crises at home. But when I'm watching like some crime show, my brain is distracted and I experience catharsis, but I don't experience rest. And so I realized, okay, I don't want to be on a screen. Number one, I don't want to do that this weekend. Not even a little screen. I don't want to be on my phone. So I actually told Christy and our other podcast partner, I'm deleting the Voxer app off my phone this weekend. I deleted Instagram off my phone. I don't even want to take photos of things this weekend. I do not want to engage with that any screen. And I thought, okay, I am hungry. My eyes feel actual hunger for nature. Like, and around us, you've heard me talk about my beloved Forest Avenue. It is a riot of green, like all different shades, like emerald green, light green, salamander green, like forest green. Like there's so many different kinds of green. I want to absorb that. I think I want to go to a place that feels like a feast for my eyes, but I don't want to go to a mall or a big store. And so I sat there thinking, where do I want to go? I think I want to go thrifting. That would be lovely because there's no pressure to buy anything and everything is kind of curious and feels like it has its own weird, quirky story. And <laughs> I like the people in thrift stores, like everything about it feels restful. So I talked to Zoe on Friday night and I had felt like I'd been missing her a lot because I mean, honestly, like I work, I pick them up from school and then I'm back here working. Like I feel like I haven't seen her in months. I asked her if she wanted to go on a breakfast date and we chose our favorite breakfast place. And so we went out for breakfast and it was beautiful in there. And then we went to thrifting and we just, I told her, listen, I just want to be here for a while. Like I'm happy to just hang out. And we spent ages looking at such random things. Like <laughs> I was like, why is there an entire section of just pot lids? Like there are no pots, <laughs> just the lids. <laughs> or like very quirky candlestick holders or <laughs> records. Or they have this entire wall, Christy, in our thrift store that has little plastic bags filled with like each bag. I don't know if it's supposed to be like a lucky packet or a surprise, but it's got like weird little quirky almost disturbing looking childhood toys or yarn <laughs> like here's some yarn in a bag <laughs> or like random bits of lego it's so weird <laughs> i love it and so and then i spent in the afternoon i was just out in the yard quite a bit not even doing yard work just being in the yard walking around the yard i walked the dog for a long walk up to the goats near us Oh, irony of ironies. I was in the middle of a lovely, long, I feel like singing you an aria about thrift stores and trees and uh, got cut off in the middle because I kid you, kid you not, my computer has an update I have been putting off forever and ever. Every time it pops up and says must update, needs updating. <laughs> needs rest i go <laughs> ignore rest. snooze i actually hit delay for 24 hours <laughs> and it just finally literally as we were talking this warning popped up it was like quite dire and it was like update happening now <laughs> the computer insisted and it shut down all systems and rebooted <laughs> That's hilarious, Lisa oh, Joe, because that is quite literally what we are talking about. Yes. And if our computers are so wise as to know <laughs> that you can only go so far without a <laughs> without reboot, necessary, yeah, without rebooting, um, how much more appropriate for us? So, 
Yeah, I feel like we were, <laughs> we were getting there, computer. We were, yeah, we were getting there in terms of figuring out practically <sighs> what does that kind of rest yeah. in the midst of life look like. And so I love that yours was a breakfast date and a thrift store, you know, shopping experience. I, I will say for me too, like that time, that quality time with people um, is important as well, because when the body is moving so fast and has left the soul behind, often that means that our meaningful relationships have been, you know, somewhat neglected or left behind as well. And I too feel that, um, that need to reconnect not mm. only body and soul, but with loved ones, with family, with friends. Um, and so practically for me, because I I have also, Lisa Jo, been feeling this big time. I think it's it's um, just having released a book, A Home in Bloom, which has been part of a, a project of writing three books, kind of back to back, which started in 2020. It started yeah, um, wild you know, when the pandemic started. Like that has been that work, um, good work. Uh, has been accompanying me. And I had a thought yesterday. So uh, yesterday evening, I was in the garden and um, cutting a few flowers, which is so restful for me just to pause. Um, It's a big part of the reason why I'm a gardener, why I grow flowers is because of the invitation they offer me. They are so beautiful. So sort of like your green trees, they are so beautiful that I, I, it literally physically pains me at certain times of year just to rush past, especially the blooms that are really fleeting. So right now my irises have just opened up and they they won't bloom for long. They certainly won't bloom all summer. And so they are literally a screaming kind of purple flag saying, you know, stop, pay attention. So I was cutting a few flowers and I felt the this urge to do what I have been doing for three years now, which is photographing like all, all the flowers and feeling in a good way, but also like they come with their own deadline, right? So if I'm going to have a, if I'm going to include the irises in a book, then in that brief period when they're blooming, I have to get the good photos, Mm. right? So it, there's some urgency to it. And so I felt that last night, like, wow, these flowers are really beautiful. I, I should get out my camera. Who knows what, when I'll need this. And I just said, no, Christy, no, no, don't do it. Just, and then I thought, I remember the great gift in 2020 when no one could visit my garden. I was taking photographs of all of it. And it felt like such a merciful gift because in a season when no one would visit my garden, I would, I had the time and the space to take the photographs so that eventually in book form, um, all, you know, readers would be able to visit my garden. But I realized last night, um, I think the privilege and the mercy now for me is that I don't, I don't need to do that anymore. I don't need to photograph every moment of this garden. I've done that. I can just enjoy my garden. Um, and it, it's a real shift. It's almost an opposite <laughs> behavior. Um, one was a gift at the beginning. And I think this is the gift of rest I need to receive now, which is just to cut my flowers, enjoy them, and not worry if they pass away and I haven't, you know, captured them with my camera. And, but it was just last night I realized like, no, it just, it felt like a, it felt like a burden to run and get my camera. And I, I thought, no, that's not, I, mm-mm, it's, it's time to rest. And that's not what rest is going to look like for me now. So if it's not, <laughs> if it's not, um, the camera. Uh, what is it for me now? And ironically, well, I don't know if it's ironic, weirdly, weirdly, um, it is tackling li- little bit by bit every day. Sometimes just one little 
one little chore, all the accumulated, yeah. neglected messes in my house. Oh my preach. We're going to need to do a whole episode. But I'm making a mental note because yes. I think you and I are going to confess what those are because oh, I literally, I'm so affirmed right now because there are so many corners of my house where I just, I'm like despair. Despair lives here. And it's, yes. I, like, I can't, like I used to like, I couldn't make eye contact with certain parts of my house mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. knew I don't, I do not have capacity for this right now. Yeah. Oh, it is so true. I have um, for three years really uh, been unable uh, to do everything that that needs to happen in order to keep a house functioning and closets decently safe when you open the door and things like that. I feel like for three years, kind of like you, I have I have rushed to do the necessary, mm-hmm. and there hasn't there hasn't been the time or energy um, to do everything. And I I'm I'm lucky that I have a fantastic husband. I, I have kids who are. Uh, you know, they'll they'll help when I ask, right? Sure, <laughs> so sure. you know, I have some they help. Don't spend their it's Saturday not just reorganizing me. the pantry, like exactly. Yeah, it's not. So it's not just me here. Um, but even though I have help, um, for three years things have been pushed aside, pushed aside. I'm literally as I sit here. This will be the first. Yeah, we'll unpack more of this in a later episode. But here's my first little admission. If I turn to the left, I see a chair that is covered in um, gift bags and wrapping paper from Christmas. (laughs) There's a pile. There's cardboard boxes there. It is a whole pile. I cannot sit in that chair. I cannot see. I can actually hardly see that chair. It is so covered oh in Christmas gosh. wrapping detritus because this is where I wrapped gifts back in December. Oh my gosh. It is now May. <laughs> yeah. I, I this is this you guys, this is gonna be a good series. Like you are gonna feel seen here. Because the point is you don't actually have to go to England to find soul rest, right? I think that's what you're always gonna find with us. We love travel. We think there are all kinds of ways God meets us there. But the truth of it is we all come back to our mess and our real lives and our bodies who've run far ahead trying to keep up with the chaos of the next, the the attorney of the urgent, the survival. And I think what we're going to be doing here the next few weeks is reminding all of us what is it like to not just live in survival mode? And I think as a as a globe, that has been the narrative of the last three years. We're all trying to survive. And how wonderful to enter summer summer here in the Northern Hemisphere where you can exhale and start to ask yourself, what does it mean, though, to live? Like, not just to survive, but to live. Because surviving is just trying not to die. And I think that's where I've been. And and now I'd like to live a more, a more wholehearted, whole-souled um, series going forward. And so... I even feel lighter, like having had this conversation, I feel like my I can breathe a little bit. I know it's because sitting next to me, dear listener, is a printed out copy of my manuscript of my next book that will actually come out almost exactly a year from now. I believe, I haven't said this anywhere, so listeners, May 7th, 2024, it will come into the world. So... I'm grateful to spend this next year digging out from underneath all of the detritus, the you know, just <laughs> yeah. like everything. Yeah. That I almost feel like there was an earthquake and and there was a tornado and a hurricane and, a you know, like everything hit the last three years. And we're, we're crawling out the sides now and are looking up at the sky and remembering... 
God breathes life into us. And so our hope is maybe to breathe some life into you, dear friends, who are listening and probably feel pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. So come back next week. Pretty excited. I have quite a story to tell. It's one of those stories that is, yes, rooted in ordinary life, but it is I'm just going to say it. It's pretty extraordinary. It's the kind of story we live or is given to us, I think, only a few times in life. And um, I, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to sharing it with you also because I know that will help me process in a deeper way what actually happened um, so that I can not just rush through it, but hold on to it um, because this is that kind of story. I know it. I have to hold on to it. There is treasure here and it has the potential. It's one of those experiences that could really redirect, maybe not my body, my life in that sense, but absolutely my soul and um, what my soul um, knows about God, what my soul knows about its maker. So come back next week for a story that um, I'm eager to tell. Thanks for this, Lisa Jones. It's been good. I, I too feel lighter and um, eager to keep uh, lifting my head and seeing how blue the sky is. I think that's what I've been struck by right now. Um, literally, the sky is so blue, but I feel like in a bigger sense, um, it is it's blue again. The clouds have, have blown off those winter clouds. So thank you. I can't wait. Thank you.